It's the Ralph Nader Radio Hour. Stand up, stand up. You've been sitting way too long. Welcome to the Ralph Nader Radio Hour. My name is Steve Scrovan, along with my co-host, David Feldman. Hello, David. Good morning. And the man of the hour, Ralph Nader. Hello, Ralph. Hello, everybody. Martin Luther King Jr.'s elderly cousin was recently denied her right to vote. She was falsely accused of moving from the county she was registered to vote in. And this wasn't a mistake. She was just one over 198,000 voters purged from the voter rolls in Georgia by Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Our first guests are going to try to right these wrongs. Journalist Greg Palace, investigative fund, wrote a letter to the Secretary of State demanding he return these voters to the registration rolls before the election. What Georgia is doing is just one of the many examples of voter suppression happening this election season. Greg Palace is back to talk to us about voting rights and fill us in on what's happening right now. David? Greg Palace is an economist and financial investigator turned journalist. He is known for his investigative reports for BBC, The Guardian, and Rolling Stone. Mr. Palace was instrumental in exposing historic controversies such as the Shoreham Nuclear Power Station project, Exxon Valdez, the 2000 U.S. presidential election, and Deepwater Horizon. He is the author of The Best Democracy Money Can Buy, and his latest book is How Trump Stole 2020, The Hunt for America's Vanished Voters. Welcome back to the Ralph Nader Radio Hour, Greg Palast. It's always great to be with you again. Greg, let's try something different this time because okay. our steady listeners heard you on prior occasions outline yes. all the various horrors of blocking people from voting, blocking the accurate counting from voting, and so forth. What I want you to do is I'm going to give you the different categories of obstruction of voters, and then you tell me what's being done about it after you have a very brief definition of the obstruction. So let's start with purging voters. What is it quickly and what is being done on the ground to give people a sense of optimism? Well, as you know, there's a TV show called The Purge, where once a year you can kill anyone you want. We have a version of it in the U.S. in reality called The Purge, which is done by these partisan political officials called secretaries of state. Once a year, they can literally wipe off the voter rolls those voters they think shouldn't vote. And not surprisingly, these hacks tend to remove people of color where they can, Republicans control the state. So, for example, in Georgia, as you just heard, the Secretary of State removed 198,000 voters illegally on false information, almost all of them black voters, young voters, including Martin Luther King's 92-year-old cousin. That report, which I did, my investigators, was put out by the ACLU. And I can't say it's – the one optimistic thing is that the word is getting out in Georgia which is a swing state also with two Senate seats on the line, which could flip the Senate. The Secretary of State, a Republican hack, is not putting those 198,000 people back. We've threatened them legally, but it is motivating people to check their registrations and get out to the polls. But in other states, there's some good news. In Wisconsin, I did a report showing that nearly 100,000 people were facing a wrongful purge. There is an African-American lieutenant governor activist who brought me into the state, 
And the Board of Elections is refusing to remove these voters. It's a bipartisan Board of Elections. So, okay. you know, uh, there is integrity. Okay, let's, um, let's go a little deeper here. People are purged if they pass away. People are sure. purged if they haven't voted in the last two elections. People are purged if they move their address. Now, how are people unpurging themselves with the help of citizen reform groups on the ground? Okay, so we've had a lot of groups from the ACLU, mainly Black Voters Matter, has been out there, and we've been pushing. And in fact, you know, actually, probably the most effective thing we've had is that Leonardo DiCaprio hosted my PSA on "Look Out If You're Purged" and check in. And five million people have seen that one-minute film. Go to Leonardo DiCaprio's well, Instagram. Tell us, and, tell us how they can unpurge yeah, themselves. So, so wait, so you unpurge yourself first of all in those states where you can still check your registration. And that includes, for example, Michigan, California, many, many states. The registration is still open, or you can even register on Election Day, including Wisconsin. So you can unpurge yourself simply by checking your registration, re-registering online if you can. Yesterday was the last day in Michigan for online, but you can, you can register in person. So people, if you know that you are purged, this is the hardest thing to do, check your registration at vote.org or go to gregpalace.com, we have links, and either re-register or in those states where you can, like Michigan and Wisconsin, swing states, go in and bring your ID, bring proof of address. Not easy. And by the way, Ralph, yes, most people don't understand. You miss a couple of federal elections, like a midterm and a general, and you could lose your vote, not because you're allowed not to vote in America. You can vote and not vote. That's your choice as a citizen. What they're saying is if you didn't show up, it means you've moved. And that's one of the things we've been investigating and challenging. Not well, voting doesn't mean you've moved. Setting aside why there aren't criminal prosecutions of Secretary of State and other officials who are engaging really in the ultimate constitutional crime, putting yeah. that aside, putting that aside that we don't have a national discussion on the Australian system where it becomes a universal legal duty to vote and you can vote for right. none of the above or, or write in, take care of the civil liberties problems. We have to go into the weeds here. One of the most malicious ways of removing somebody's vote is to say that their signature on an absentee ballot doesn't match their signature that was on something years ago. And I lost right. 5,000 petition signatures that was assembled by a woman in Toledo, Ohio. Tremendous energy. And she went to file them, and they said, your signature, which she had to have on every sheet, the, at age 52 doesn't match the signature you had when you registered first at age 21. Now, people have different signatures all the time. It isn't like well, a I, fingerprint. They just have different signatures or I their already, hand moves in one way or another. And this is so malicious. How do you correct that? Who's going to correct that one? Okay, so let's get some numbers in here. In 2016, 141,000 mail-in ballots were thrown out because someone challenged a signature. Now, by the way, Ralph, we don't have 141,000 expert forgers in America. Not one single voter was arrested for this crime. Remember, the idea is to prevent someone from stealing your ballot, right. voting, and signing your name. Good point. There's no proof that anyone's done this, but yet all some schmuck in a boogaloo Hawaiian shirt has to do is say, I don't like that signature, and you've just lost your vote. And in okay. states like Texas, you're not even allowed to correct it. So how do you correct it? Number one, if you haven't asked for mail-in ballot yet, don't. 
it's too easy to get challenged. Like I say, 141,000 just on signature. I know it's not easy. Go in early with your mask and your gloves and your sanitizer, maybe a couple lawyers with you, but try to avoid mailing in your ballot. And I'll tell you why. 100,000 people lost their vote for postage due. In New York, the Democratic Party, sorry guys to tell you this, they challenged 24,000 ballots because there was no postmark on those ballots because the post office does not automatically postmark a pre-stamped ballot. Okay, what about change of residence? That's the way they block people. They go down the corridor and change their apartment number, and they say, oh, you changed your residence, you can't vote. Yes, that's what they were trying to do in, for example, in Wisconsin, if you moved at all. But federal law is pretty damn clear, Ralph. If you move within your, quote, jurisdiction, that, that means like in places like Georgia, they say it's the county or the city in Wisconsin. If you move within your building, And we literally spoke to people who moved within their building. One guy moved two doors down. They lost their vote, which is illegal. And you know why they do this, Ralph? Because who moves? Students move. Dorm room to dorm room. Couch to couch. Low-income people, uh, renters move quite a bit, often within their building or down the street. So they know who they're removing. They're removing low-income voters, young voters, so let's talk about students. There's a big yeah. article recently in the New York Times that the student vote is going to be diminished because of COVID-19, students studying by remote, not being in the locale. Can you give us a quick description of how serious that is and who is it going to disadvantage in what states? Well, I just spoke to student Pio Kwao of the University of Madison. For example, he moved two doors down, lost his vote. There are students who are sent away because of COVID. For example, 182,000 University of Wisconsin students, many of them out of state, have gone home, but their registration address, their voting address is in Madison, Wisconsin, or in Milwaukee, and they need a witness signature. They also need to mail in a copy of their ID, a photo state ID, and guess what? Scott Walker in the Republican legislature in Wisconsin said, if you use a student ID from the University of Wisconsin, it has to be a special one. Hardly anyone has it. So you send in the wrong ID photo, you can lose your vote there too. So it's, and it's really killed students because then they have to go in and get a special ID in an office that isn't even open. So they're playing these games. Texas, the same thing. You can't use the University of Texas ID, but you can you know, use your concealed carry gun permit ID to vote. Let's continue with this description of the slow-motion coup d'etat. It always amazes me how people don't get really indignant on this. I mean, you know, throw them an ethnic slur or a gender slur or racial slur, and they'll really climb up the wall and denounce it. But they don't really get angry. It's just beyond belief in American history. At this point, with the civil rights laws being enacted, all kinds of efforts against Jim Crow, women having the right to vote being part of the Constitution now. And these corporate lawyers for these Republican politicians, almost always Republican politicians, are just carving out the heart of our democracy, which is the sovereign right to vote. So tell us, who do you think the worst three states are in the country in terms of obstructing the right to vote? And how much of it is tilted, definitely, against people who would vote Democrat? I would say, without question, Georgia, Ohio, and Michigan at this moment. Now, what's unusual about Michigan, 
I, you know, you expect it in Georgia. You've got this right-wing Republican conservatives, and they know and in a state which the census should show. Of course, the census has been fixed, too, by the way, Ralph. That's another discussion. But if the census is honest, Georgia is now a white minority state. It should be a solid blue state. The polls are showing the Democrats sweeping the presidential line and Senate. But yet, they're massively removing voters. They are also, you know, they have a, what's called an exact match rule. So if you are voting, you have to have ID, which matches exactly. So, for example, if your name is Gabriel Garcia Marquez, you better have be registered. Remember that your ID, if it has accent marks or misses the hyphen or has the hyphen, you can lose your vote because it's not a, quote, exact match on your ID. And you're right, there's not enough indignation here. And who doesn't have IDs? And we have, by the way, similar ID law, for example, in Wisconsin that was left over from the Republican administration, where you have, again, you have to have a state photo ID. Well, who doesn't have a driver's license? People who don't drive, Ralph, people who don't have a car because they live in, in urban areas and apartment buildings. University of Wisconsin said the ID law knocked out over 50,000 voters who really wanted to vote, who are African-American, who were blocked from voting in 16. That swung the state to Donald Trump. That's why Agent Orange is in the White House, because of these games. Another hurdle is ex-felons. People who paid their debt society, they come out, and in some states they're still blocked from voting. Tell us the situation in Florida and what other states they blocked from voting. Well, here's the crazy thing. There's no state left in America which has that old Ku Klux Klan law, and it was written by the Ku Klux Klan, that ex-felons can never vote, that they lose their citizenship. We're not Saudi Arabia or Red China. You don't lose your citizenship for a crime anymore. However, they use all kinds of tricks. You can't be serving time or be literally incarcerated and vote if it's a felony crime in almost every state. The problem is, for example, in lots of states like Georgia and places like Colorado, they've been removing so-called ex-cons who aren't ex-cons. That's how George Bush became president. This is not something that Donald Trump invented. You mean ex-cons who are not ex-cons. That's right. One thing that we're not, haven't been talking about in the fight over whether ex-cons should vote is that most of these lists are dead wrong. And so, for example, in Florida, in 2000, when I was with the, the Guardian and BBC, I, I got the list of these so-called ex-cons, 58,000 of them, almost all of them black, not guessing because it says BLA next to their names on those voter registration forms for black. And um, I went through the list, and not one, not a single one, Ralph, was a illegal voter, not one. Yeah, they just had similar names, that's all. That's right. So, like, for example, Willie Steen, a Gulf War veteran, African-American, takes his five-year-old son with him to vote to show him, how, you know, here's what Martin Luther King did for us. We got, you know, we won the vote. And they said, you can't vote. You're a felon. And his five-year-old and his son is saying, Daddy, what's a felon? And he's never gotten a parking ticket. His only crime was voting while black. Now, I looked him up. Willie Steen, the African-American in Florida, was removed because a guy named Willie Osteen, a white guy, was convicted in Ohio. But this happens all over the country. In fact, I, I caught the Republican Secretary of State of Colorado years ago, when they, and now it's a Democrat, but when they had a Republican, she removed 50,000 so-called ex-con voters, and there's no law in Colorado to block ex-cons from voting. 
what you're saying, Greg, and you want to mm-hmm. sum it up, is mm-hmm. we got a situation now where in Republican-dominated states politically, governor, mm-hmm. secretary of state, etc., the Democrats have to win by either 51 percent, 52 percent. Yeah, forget 51 percent. You got to win by 56 percent, 55 percent. But the good news is that you can win if you get the 55. They can't steal all the votes all the time. So that should motivate people. I have to say I had a disagreement. We spoke with Barack Obama when I was at the Rolling Stone, and he said he knew all about He had the down to the details of the vote suppression. He didn't say much about it. He said the way to deal with it is they steal. We said, you know, they stole 5.8 million votes from me. He said, well, that's why I brought in 9 million more voters. So you can overwhelm the steal. Now, that's not comforting. That's not democracy. You point point to Barack Obama and the Democrats. You think the Democrats are doing enough about this? They've been on notice for years. You've written about it for years. They've lost elections for years because of vote stealing and vote suppression. So here we are. Let's say it's two years before now. Have they done what you think they should do? And if not, why not? Apart from going after the Electoral College, which makes all this vote stealing so decisive. You think they've done what they should be doing? If not, what should they have been doing? Okay, two things. Let's be straight about it. There's two Democratic parties. There's white Democrats and and non-white Democrats. As I said, in Wisconsin, we had an African-American lieutenant governor, new Democrat, who pushed the state, brought me in, and and they stopped the purge. What about in swing state Michigan? You have the three white women who took over Democrats who took over the government in Michigan, you'd say, well, that's going to reverse all the trickery that gave Trump the surprise Michigan win in 16. The GOP removed 313,000 voters on the most bogus basis. My experts have gone through the list and they said, you've got 152,000 people illegally removed. And we posted the names of people said, please re-register. Do you know that I got a threat from the Democratic Attorney General saying, don't tell people about these purges. You're discouraging them from voting. And my response was, you know, if they're purged from the voter rolls, Madam Attorney General, they can't vote. No, the Democrats' position is that don't tell people that there's any problem with voting. Tell people like Joe Biden did during the debate, oh, all your mail-in votes will be counted. Don't worry. Well, you know, this don't worry, be happy position of the Democratic Party. Don't mention vote suppression. Don't mention the difficulty voting. Don't mention problems with mail-in ballots. Don't mention the purge. Well, ask President Hillary Clinton how this has worked out. It hasn't. Ask President Al Gore how this has worked out. And unfortunately, you know, they're throwing black votes, Asian American votes, young voters under the bus. Yeah, but you can understand their concern because it takes very little to discourage a lot of voters from voting you know because well, oh it's not going to count anyway i got to go meet my friend down the street and talk about the board of education problem or something you know you know what i got to tell you ralph i was in georgia as you said when martin luther i was with martin luther king's 92 year old cousin when she was to my surprise never what well, wasn't to my surprise because i had her name on the list she was thrown out of the out of the polling station on her 50th year of voting at the same place now i got to tell you something when i was in georgia in 18 the fact that they were trying to steal the vote. And Stacey Abrams, who's, of course, African-American, became the first Democratic candidate for governor that I've ever heard made 
the vote theft, her number one issue, they're stealing our votes, they're stealing our votes. Rather than discourage people, they had a massive record turnout. I saw signs that says, this precinct 100% voted in African-American areas. Instead of discouraging people, it got people whipped up, riled up. And by the way, I saw this in Mexico, too, with AMLO, who crushed the opposition in 18 by making count every ballot his number one campaign point. Okay, this is very encouraging if it's widespread. You think a lot Mm -hmm. of people are taking this, they're going to try to stop me from voting personally and redoubling their determination to go vote either in person or by ballot. You think that's a widespread situation in Wisconsin, Michigan, the so-called swing states? Yes, because I see, for example, Black Voters Matter especially has been probably the group at the forefront and Reverend Jackson with Rainbow Push. We've had some people right out on the front line saying they're stealing your vote that we bled for. Why aren't the Democrats headlining Jesse Jackson more? He's the greatest vote getter out in modern American history. I don't read much about their effort to support him or enlist him. No, there isn't. Unfortunately, he's being, you know, look, I'm going to be very blunt. The Democratic Party really has a split with African-American activists who are saying we've got to make a point. Number one, start reversing these purges. You know, I've asked the Republican attorney general, not only asked, we made a legal demand on the Republican attorney general to return 198,000 votes identified by me and the ACLU as wrongly purged, mostly African-Americans, put them back on the rolls. Well, okay, I didn't expect a lot of joy from that guy because he'll lose his, his seat and the Republicans will get wiped off the map in Georgia. But what is shocking and frightening and unfortunate to me is that in Michigan, the Democratic attorney general is refusing to return to the voter rolls the people removed illegally, wrongly by her GOP predecessor. They don't want to deal with the issue of the purge. And maybe, you know, I, now I'm speculating, I admit, maybe there's just a fear of a black party. Remember that if every African-American is allowed to vote in Michigan, the black vote in Detroit will take over the Democratic Party and you will have very different party. Yeah, people have said that to me. You're right. Let's ask another question. A ballpark Mm -hmm. estimate, Greg Powell's, Mm -hmm. assume X number of votes are being obstructed or have been obstructed. Mm -hmm. All the pushback by Black Votes Matter and all the citizen groups all over, how much are they going to recover of that? 20%, 30 40 50 I don't know. I'm a good investigative reporter, but I'm a bad speculator. But I am a statistician as well. And I could tell you that in 2016, 5.8 million ballots were cast and never counted. By the way, that's an official number from the EAC, from our federal agency. 5.8 million votes cast and not counted, like, for example, 925,000 provisional ballots thrown in the garbage. Now, how many can be recovered? I think a tremendous amount. I mean, I saw the, the Abrams campaign. I saw Black Votes Matter, their operations. I have seen some activist groups out there. This time, it's I don't know what the percentage of recovery is, but it's going to be literally millions of votes have been saved. But I'm just very worried with this election because I've never seen the purge machine, and I'm very concerned about in such high gear. Plus, I'm extremely concerned about this massive mail-in vote and the ease with which we in America we allow people to challenge and disqualify mail-in ballots. According to MIT, 22%, one in five mail-in ballots, is never counted. Well, listen to this. Two things. One is... Mm -hmm. What likelihood will there be of recounts? 
because if the election is that close, the state law often says if it's within, you know, half of 1%, you've got to have a recount after the election. So give us your idea on that. And the second is the kind of pushback that's going on. Will it result in any criminal prosecutions in any state after the election? Two points, one, two. Okay, I'm going to go in reverse. Busting the bad guys, busting the ballot bandits, not a chance. Almost never happens. Because if you succeed, remember, wonderful thing about stealing an election, it's the perfect crime because you've stolen the police department, the voting police, right? The, The Justice Department, if it's national and your attorneys general. So you take over basically the vote thieves. What if the election puts a good secretary of state in charge, a new one, going after the crook who preceded them? I don't want to sound like a racist, but if it's a white secretary of state, don't, don't expect much, as we saw in Michigan. Well, is um, there a criminal penalty in any of these election laws to begin with? Yeah, there really are. I mean, you read the National Voter Registration Act, the Voting Rights Act, which is still there and still has its criminal positions, and by the way, the Part B, Part Two of the Fourteenth Amendment of the Constitution says, if you take away Black people's votes, or you know, if you illegally remove voters, you're supposed to lose electoral votes and congressional seats. You know, it's never been enforced. Martin Luther King demanded the enforcement of that provision, and you know, even uh, Lyndon Johnson wouldn't budge on that. Well, you know, so, without the Electoral College, we wouldn't have be having this conversation. So why don't the Democrats constantly talk about getting rid of it or? blocking it with the national popular vote.org movement at the state level, which is already over half of the electoral college votes is on its way to succeeding. Why don't they talk about it? I mean, it's like they're fighting all these lethal skirmishes that can decide whether they're going to win or lose in one swing state after another. And they don't keep this electoral college monster, this iron collar around their throat before the public build public opinion against it. Well, a couple decades ago, believe it or not, we came very close to eliminating the Electoral College. But now with the state so split red-blue, it's murder. And, of course, the Democrats are afraid of bringing up an issue that they are afraid will, quote, scare off white voters. You know, again, we're dealing with – you keep mentioning the Democrats. Look, don't expect the Democrats to save your vote, to fight for your vote. That's not what they do, okay? Martin Luther King was not part of the Democratic Party. Either were you. You brought up these issues. Well, if you were a Democrat party now, what would you do in the next 10 days to get more votes, either by issues or strategy or on the ground, transportation to the polls? What would you do quickly? Number one, I would notify everyone who's been purged from the voter rolls. You have 16, according to Brennan Center and the federal government, 16.7 million people have been yanked off the voter rolls, and very few of them know it. They're going to show up and be unable to vote. They should warn people where they can re-register to do so, and in states where you can re-register on the day, they should be preparing people. Because if you're going to wait five hours in line and told you have the wrong ID to vote, you're not registered, but you can't now re-register. That's going to be a big problem. We're talking hundreds of thousands of people that could be restored to the voter rolls if they're given the information and they are warned. And I tell everyone, vote early because you have a problem. You learn about it. So they should promote not mail-in voting, but voting early. And during the weekday, those places are empty. Well, one way to get get people to vote is millions of people are underpaid in this country, frozen minimum wage. You just say, go vote for a raise because we're going to give you 15 bucks an hour. Uh, The House has already passed it in Congress. Just go vote for a raise. Do you think the huge early turnout 
which is now over 33 million votes. The huge early turnout augurs well for who? The Democrats or Republicans? Well, there's no question an early, early voting Massive early voting always helps the Democrats. The more people vote, the better it is for Democrats. But the thing is, is that people can vote or submit ballots. Remember, they're talking about the ballots submitted. They use the term counted. That just means that they got it and they marked it that as being received. But then there's tallied, meaning that they actually count the vote and add it to the Biden pile or the Trump pile. And we're going to lose 22% of those votes Hell, the Democratic Party challenged every vote with scotch tape on it that was mailed in. That was hundreds of, of ballots. So, the Democrat or Republican? No, that was the Democrats in New York. They flipped, in fact, a congressional seat by challenging 24,000 mail-in ballots. That's the Democrats. So you can imagine what the Boogaloo boys are going to do. We, Forget the Republican Party. Greg, you, Greg you're yeah. going to spend years in the weeds here, winning a little, losing a little, going crazy, being irritated, upset. Take the lead for the Australian system. Universal voting as a duty, period. One, just yep. like just like jury duty. And if people well, don't like the candidates, they can vote right in whoever they want, or they can vote binding none of the above. That's You've got to get into that. Vote. Otherwise, you're just going to be hitting windmills here. You're going to be hit with, with right-wing judges. We're out of time, Greg. Thank you very much. Give us your website again and the book that should be a bestseller but isn't. Well, it's a bestseller. It's just not on the list. It's called How Trump Stole 2020. Don't worry. It's a, it's a warning, not a prediction. How Trump Stole 2020. And by the way, if you go to gregpalace.com, it is, as of today, available as a free audiobook download at gregpalace.com, G-R-E-G-P-A-L-A-S-T.com. And stay tuned for the next two weeks where we give you reports on how to save your vote and who's stealing it. But let's hope history doesn't write that the COVID-19 Trump's virus and his bungling and spreading of it because he didn't act soon enough and he has never acted scientifically enough doesn't come back to help him and the Republicans by keeping hundreds of thousands of students from voting and many others because of the COVID-19 pandemic. Absolutely. This is a big problem because, for example, that's one of the reasons we have long lines. We don't have the poll workers. By the way, if you're young enough and healthy enough, please sign up to be a poll worker. That's very important, young people. Sign up to be a poll worker. A lot of the elderly volunteers are too frightened to go to the polls because they're excessively vulnerable to the COVID-19. Stand up for the elderly people who volunteered for decades and take their place. Thank you very much, Greg. You're the best. Let's stay in touch on this. Stand up, stand up, you've been saved.